interesting topic today and an interesting guest as well. Today's topic is short-term gains lead to long-term gains, the equality between safety and production. And who better to discuss this than Mr. Aaron Royster, who is the director of ADR and Associates with over 20 years of experience in safety management and workers' comp production. Aaron, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Awesome. You ready to get started? Yes. Thank you for having me. I sure am. All right. So topic. Um, my first question on our topic is, in what ways can safety actually enhance production and contribute to long-term success rather than being seen as a hindrance? I feel like a lot of people see safety as an afterthought, inconvenience, there's something we got to do, make the emotions, give a lip service. What are your thoughts? Well, the way I feel is safety is integral to production and it, along with first-time quality, along with reliability makes production so it should never be seen as a hindrance but it should be seen as a support and if it's an equation and all of this are systems so the way i look at it is you have a system uh, when you're manufacturing anything it's a system to it and you have to put in inputs to that system and then it will equal production instead of always looking directly at production so that's how I see it. Safety production and safety because safety is a part of production. That's right. Safety okay. makes up the production, so it can never be seen as a hindrance. Oftentimes, it's uh, problem solving. Uh, oftentimes, safety leads the way. Whether uh, on a machine, uh, due to a uh, safety switch uh, being avoided or not functioning properly. Right. Oftentimes that causes the machine not to work. And so having a good, robust safety program where everyone is involved, including the operators on a day to day activity, along with your maintenance department, and they're discussing safety, they're, they're looking at safety, they're looking at PMs, and they're looking at how to make improvements. These things are vital, especially if your company is trying to go to an ISO type. Uh, certification 45,001 or 14,001. So if you're going to do that, it's vital that safety be integral and be a part. And it's one third of production. The other two parts are first time quality and reliability. If you can nail those things and every day you come to work looking at those things and Mm -hmm. trying to improve them, you will find that your production at the end of the week is outstanding. That makes a lot of sense. So instead of thinking that safety is just another thing you have to do to get to production, realize that you need safety to produce, right? If you're not producing safely, then you're producing other risks. That and is. That at some point, something's going to pull it all over, right? Yeah. So, how can, I guess, how do organizational culture and leadership play a role in aligning safety to production goals? What have you seen out there? We've been doing this for so long. I see that the best companies have it coming from top down, not from bottom up. So they make it a priority. They put it on starting with the plant manager saying, you know, safety is vital here and we're going to do safety. And so I like having safety done monthly uh, with team members. So you go over all of your OSHA regulatory requirements, but you also have to have risk assessment set up for every department and every 
work environment. And that's part of what they do uh, on their day-to-day when they're looking at their OA operating output, um, that safety is a part of that. And so if it's nothing but making sure at the beginning of the shift, everyone has on their correct PPE, they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. And then um, during the day, if anything should come up, uh, then we can uh, discuss it with uh, that work team leader or supervisor, having and putting it on the board and doing what we call safety gimbals. And the safety gimbal would go get the, uh, the whoever is the subject matter expert uh, around safety, have mm-hmm. them there with those concerns and mm-hmm. do some problem solving. And so then, like yeah, and correct those problems every hour. Uh, make those corrections or ensure that um, those things don't continue to hinder your performance throughout the whole day. And so getting back to your your question, though, it comes from top down. The top management, if the plant manager says, you know what, safety is going to be on everyone's uh, list uh, and it's going to be evaluated at the end of the year. And it's going to be evaluated not by injuries, but how much training is done. Um, how many times the gimbals are done, how many times audits are done, and then how many times do we have our safety meetings and you attend them and you have uh, safety corrective actions that you want to talk about and share. Make that the criteria and that's the standard and that's what you hold them accountable to, not injuries. And you kind of really want to get away. If you do all those things, if you do your auditing, if you have your gimbal boards, if you're looking at OA and you're looking at how safety plays a part, making sure corrective actions include safety information, then you're going to have a very productive week and uh, yep. company is going to be extremely productive. And the team members know that you care. I, I always say safety is, is more about caring than anything else. And mm-hmm. team members would feel that if they see from top down plant manager cares, the operating uh, department head cares, and then the work team leader cares, and the team member definitely cares. So if you don't have buy-in from the top, it's very hard to get um, any sort of momentum from the bottom. It, that's absolutely correct. If you don't have that plant manager saying safety is important, operating manager saying safety is important, work team leader saying safety is important, if you don't have that, then uh, the team members definitely not going to say safety is important and you could fall flat on your face. That reminds me of that saying, um, lead by example. You know, if, if I'm seeing the more senior people, people in authority break the rules, how important are the rules, right? But if I see them truly caring, truly engaged, uh, truly, you know, patching up the talk, walking the walk, I'll probably do what they ask me to do. How I feel about that. Yeah. My, my next question here, um, and you spoke a little bit about it, right? You spoke about some strategies like the CPM and whatnot. What other strategies can be employed to create a balance between the production target and maintaining stringent safety measures? And I use the word stringent very carefully here, right? Because obviously, if it's too strict, you end up being a safety valve. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. So I'll say put in risk assessments in each department. And then you have on a weekly basis, whoever that champion of safety is, the safety manager, 
uh, gets with the work team leader and the ops manager of that department and they go and they look at their board and they look at what what they're doing for safety and if you don't do it on a weekly basis at least bi-weekly the work team leader should bring whatever it is that those safety critical items that they found that need correction bring those to the the safety steering team meeting and share it with the rest of the team members because i often find that if something happens in one department it's probably going to be replicated in another department those controls and everybody's talking about that that makes sense and then the last part is um, to empower the team members, to let them know that they have the responsibility of communicating when things aren't right so that they can hold management accountable. Okay. Oftentimes, we talk about you know safety equipment, uh, the PPE. It's on the company to provide that to the team members, but the team members have to communicate when it's needed and not use stuff that's not in good repair. And so if we empower those team members and we praise them and thank them and recognize them in a positive way for turning in bad PPE or for communicating audit concerns, then we then kind of shake that culture that you want of identifying things that need to be replaced before an incident occurs. What have you done in the past to increase or encourage employee feedback? Can you give us some more examples? Sure. Uh, recognition programs. Uh, we used to give out, uh, one thing we used to do is give out a trophy. We had uh, what we call is the, the broom, and then we had uh, another trophy called the opportunity. So the broom went to the department that had the best uh, compliance record and the best housekeeping. And then okay. the opportunities trophy went to the department that had some opportunities. And so it was a pig and they just didn't like the pig. And oftentimes what we found is the team that received the pig the next month, they were getting a broom. Yeah, they were motivated. I mean, it was a peer on peer type of thing. They really cared about, you know, I don't want to be recognized uh, with with the opportunities, but more so with the golden broom. Yeah, they're kind of like, they're going to check something again, right? Yeah, and it didn't cost the company any money to recognize uh, great behavior and recognize uh, team members that are doing things the way that they want them done. And you will find the very best years in safety also equal the very best years in production, especially when you focus on quality and reliability. So if you get your very best years of safety, quality and reliability there's mm-hmm. no doubt in my mind it's going to correlate to the very best years of production it always does because those are the things that stop you from being productive if you're having to remake your items over right. and over again you're losing money and then of course if people can't depend on you providing the product to them when you say you are you're going to lose customers so it always equates to the very best years in safety, quality, and reliability equals production. Never always looking at production. You never look directly at production. Okay, so it's like a trifecta, like a, a stool that's holding up production. 
Yes, it's total. The, the, yeah, the three things make up that system. It's a systematic approach and it's um, replicable, which is the big thing. And you can always do it and you always focus and then you bring in those gimbal walks, um, not only talking about safety, but talking about bottlenecks, more talking about what's stopping my production. And you, it'll be amazed as you bring in that safety expert along with your maintenance team and you can brainstorm, of course, with your continuous improvement manager as well. Right. And these are the ways that you can um, clear up those bottlenecks and ensure that those three things are being done and being done in a productive way. And then, of course, you're going to get your production. So it's almost like you need everybody's input to really see things differently, right? Everyone has somebody, something to bring to the field that might improve the production. Right? That is correct. I think that's a great idea having you know stakeholders from every department um, or representatives from every department come together. You know, kind of plays out a lot of that um, silo nature that departments tend to have at times where they're operating, operating independently, right? Both in some communication and transparency. What are you working on? What are you working on? Maybe I can help you with that. You can work together and get a job done. Yeah. And all we care about is getting the safety, quality, and reliability. And if everyone is working on those uh, at the same time in that collaborative environment, you, you have a very successful team. Well, that brings you to my last question. You know, we spoke about balance, right? How does how has the balance between safety and production evolved over time? What future trends are anticipated in allowing these key critical aspects of any business for a profitable one anyway? Well, if you look at it before 1970, if you got injured, you were fired. You just quit. <laughs> and then, of course, the government stepped in uh, because uh, it was the mistreatment of the labor force. The bigger companies just continued to move forward. And then if you even tried to sue them, you didn't have the muscle to keep up with them. And then eventually they would get to a court that you couldn't work in. And so your court, your court case was lost. And so a lot of times team members never really cared about OSHA until OSHA was formed, um, Occupational Safety and Health in 1970 and signed into law by Richard Nixon. And with that uh, came the ability for workers comp to ensure that the team member got their just due, they got their payment. And so they got their payment and then companies say, well, how can we prevent having these high workers comp costs, i.e. safety professionals were born? And so how does that equate to the whole productivity model? Initially, it was seen as a hindrance because, you know, this person got hurt and so they couldn't work and so they fired themselves. Now it's, you know, you get hurt and we hope we have to get you to the best, very best medical treatment and get you back but we've lost a lot of money with that injury. And so that could take a small company under. So you always want to look at how it has evolved. Now we're looking at 2023 where, you know, lawsuits are the norm, but workers can't prevent a bunch of the lawsuits because they have to get the team members paid their medical treatment. And then if you should lose a body part, you're paid out sufficiently for that through workers comp. And the only way that the company can get sued is to have poor safety, right? Mm -hmm. 
because if the OSHA comes in and they say, yep, this was a willful act by the company, they didn't train the team member properly, therefore he didn't kill himself, the, the family now has a way to get uh, hold a company liable past workers' compensation. So to me, that's the biggest thing that safety and caring for people should want to train them properly, ensure every day ergonomically that they're being doing things the correct way so that you can get that good safety, quality, and reliability, but mm -hmm. also that it works hand in hand to equal production. And it's not seen as something that you could get fired for. Oftentimes, team members don't want to report incidences because they think that they're in trouble. Yeah. And so we really have to get away from that model of, you know, yeah, you're fired. <laughs> you just hurt yourself, you just fired yourself. And then back in the old days, it was people lined up outside to come in and get a job. Jobs were stingy. So, yeah. So now uh, more companies having a model that, you know, I don't have to retrain a person. This person knows what to do. They can do it efficiently. Mm -hmm. and me having to retrain another person uh, because they're that's costing me money and it's taken away from my bottom line. So the fact that safety is now an integral part of a systematic approach and that not only because of legal requirements, but because you care about the people that's making you a bunch of money, hopefully right. you will do the right things by them. Okay. Well, Aaron, I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us about this topic. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. It's, it's definitely a balancing act, but people tend to forget that safety is a really crucial part of production. It's not an after, it's not an after, uh, after um, effect. It's not something by the way. Um, it needs to be included and, and put into the equation from the job. And because if you have people that work safely and they're happy when they come to work, they tend to work harder, they can work more consistently, they tend to be more productive. Right? But when you have people who are getting injured or employees are being exposed to hazards, they definitely destroy these things around, they destroy that safety culture, and people feel discouraged. They don't even want to stay there very long. They just have to get a check and take care of themselves. They don't want to see everybody. Right? So if the company didn't want to care, why should they employ you? Yeah. yeah, you said it, Mark Anthony. And I appreciate you again for inviting me to the podcast. And hopefully uh, this starts uh, where I can come on maybe quarterly or at least biannually. Hey, you're always welcome to my channel. <laughs> Great. But before we go, we're doing a giveaway for our branded t-shirts, right? You know branded t-shirts? You guys like them? They're the cute. Yeah. Keep them back. Pick it back out. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is your code. Uh, we're going to do a giveaway for one of our subscribers, so make sure you hit that subscribe button. Uh, make sure you like the video. Some lucky winners going to go home with this shirt. You can mail to them. It can help you learn. Okay. All right. So take care. Until next time. Be safe. Mm -hmm.